Amen. I, I am so excited about this series that we're in and that God is working and through and, and uh, so many heard so many great comments about the life groups and the discussions and the things that's going on. It's, uh, it's an exciting time to recognize that we have the opportunity to be Christ to people. That's what our goal is, right? We're talking about DNA. We're talking about how values matter. We're talking about the building blocks. And, and it's important for us to realize that, that, that none of us, all right, are perfect. How many, anybody in here perfect? No. We all need adjustments. We all need fine-tuning. We all need the Lord to be able to come in and begin to help us to become everything He wants us to be. Well, the only way that happens, as we talked about last week, is with supernatural intervention of the Holy Spirit. Amen? You can never be what you need to be until he comes in and works through us. So I want to take a look at some scripture verse. I want to lay the, the groundwork again for some of you that may have been missing over the last couple of weeks. All right. Hey, I, I'm thankful for uh, spring break, but I'm glad that it's over. Amen. <laughs> I'm glad for those of you who are gone to, to be back with us and worshiping. So uh, thank you for doing that and uh, being back here with us. So what we're working on is in order to build a culture where real people are serving a real God and making a real difference, we have to unite on what defines central the people, all right? I want to stop right there, and I want us to pray, all right? And God, we come to you right now, and we're thankful for unification underneath the banner of Jesus Christ. We're thankful, Lord, that we don't have all of the answers to life's complexities and problems, but it is still true today that Jesus is the answer for the world today. And we pray, God, that you'd help us to be unified, that you would help us to be of one voice, of one mind, and that, Lord, that we would be able to go forth in your name and accomplish much to make a difference for you. We give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're talking about our values. Our values make us who we are. Our values drive us to what we do. So with the DNA of Christ deposited in us, all right, we will be doing what he wants us to do without preferential treatment, right? Amen. So values represent the convictions and show the core of not just what a person believes, but how they live. It is our ethics. You've heard that word, all right? Uh, the practice of ethics. or That isn't ethical. That isn't the right way in order to act. We believe that God ought to be the one setting the standard for that, amen? And he's given us his unchanging word. The word is powerful, is it not? It is the truth. It's a, it is a authoritative. It is infallible. It is without error. And so we find our source in the word. And 1 John 2, 5 says this, But if anyone obeys his words, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. See, not everybody knows that they're in him. Some people think that they're in him, but they're not. But here is a litmus test. For it says, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. So you can't just say it and not do it. You're actually are only doing it, all right? Or you're actually only being it when you're actually living it, amen? Now, that doesn't mean everybody's perfect, but it means instead this, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, that as you come to him, we're constantly coming, we're constantly being transformed and changed. He says, he is the living stone who was rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. But you also, look at your neighbor and go ahead and point. Point your whole hand, point your finger, I don't care. Just say, you also. All right, you didn't do it. Go ahead and just say, you also. There we go. Are like living stones. You are being built, being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to, to God through Jesus Christ. You know, it's so important for you to realize that 
you're not done yet. God's not done with you. How many of you can say praise the Lord? He's not done with me. I'm so excited about that, right? And so he, he says, we get Christ's DNA. Now, what we're talking about is our values, and we're going to come up with seven, seven, seven different statements in the acronym of Central, all right? And our very first one is that we're committed to worship. Our scriptural support for that is, uh, or we came up with this idea that worship is more than an attitude. It is an attitude expressed, and the magnitude of the attitude determines the measure of the actions. How you think up here determines what activity you will have when you go out there. It's lifestyle of worship. It isn't something that we just uh, have done when we come to church, all right? In 1 Peter 2.9, it says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. The King James vernacular says, a peculiar people. <laughs> you, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Amen? Second thing we said last week was that you will be eternally minded. Eternally minded. What does that mean? We know, we know that he is coming back for those who are eternally minded. Amen. How many anxious to get out of here? Okay, I, I'm hoping, I'm praying. It ought to be a prayer of yours that, Lord, give me more love for what's to come in eternity than what I have for the things that's in this world. You see, once you get to that particular spot, then the enemy can't come against you with fear of what he could take from you here in this world. That's, what, that's the benefit of being eternally minded. And, and we find this scripture in Matthew 16, 23. It says, Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Peter wasn't being eternally minded. We talked last week how it was important, or Peter was trying to stop Jesus from going to the cross. And he says, you're not thinking about this, right? You're not being eternally minded, all right? But in 1 Corinthians 2, 16, it says, For he who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him. But we have. We have what? The mind of Christ because of the deposit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's so important for you to realize that, right? So 1 Corinthians 15, 50, and 58, I didn't get to the Scripture verse, but I couldn't give up on it, all right? It was last week, and I want you to know, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor can you think about it, nor can you comprehend it, nor can you understand it with flesh and blood, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. Now, if you're a believer here today, you ought to start getting a little excited. You ought to hear some amens. But we will all be changed. There's that word. What? Changed. Even God changes it up, right? <laughs> You'll be changed. Some people don't like change. Well, guess what? In order to get to heaven, you've got to be changed. Hello? All right. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised and perishable, and we will be changed. Amen? Look at this. He says, go ahead, next one, and please. There it is. There we go. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Say this with me. Death has been swallowed up in victory. That's what it means to be eternally minded. You don't have to be afraid of death. 
if death enters into your realm and into your loved ones, into your family, it is not the end of the world for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, it's painful. It's painful this side. But it has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? I put a couple names of some people a couple weeks ago that inherited and lived this out. Anybody hear of David Ames before? You've been praying for him. Amen. Not that he would keep living here on earth, but that he would enter into his eternal reward. That's Tammy Naderhood's dad, who was an evangelist, who 24 hours before his passing, I was able to sit there and speak with and talk about his thought patterns. And he, he, he assured me, and we talked about being eternally minded. And he could face death and not be scared. Talked about Henrietta Weimer, a longtime member. Started attending here in church in 73. Passed into her eternal reward because she was eternally minded. How many of you knew Henrietta? Raise your hand if you knew Henrietta. Look at that. Yeah. She'd been out of the church for some time now in, in, in a, a nursing home. But here in 1 Corinthians 15, 50, it says, The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, since this happens, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. How many of you ever had the enemy come to you and tell you, you know what? I'm not sure you're really making a difference. I mean, he's easy. You're not, not, I'm not sure. You felt that, but he's coming. He says, you know what? You do all this stuff. Nobody's listening. You still have all of the hostility. You still have all the, 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 the dysfunction. You still have all the chaos. You've got to know Scripture just like this. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully, fully to the work of the Lord. Amen? So now it brings us to this. This next value, neglecting no one. Say neglecting no one. Committed to worship, eternally minded, neglecting no one. I'm going to give it to you, all right, all of them. We are truth speaking. We are relationship driven, right? We are active in the spirit and we are led by love. That's where we're going to go with these, all right? But when you're talking about neglecting no one, some of you start to kind of twitch a little bit. Well, you might twitch if you understand what that actually means, right? What does it mean to neglect no one? Does that mean the people I'm not even comfortable with? Does that mean the people who may not like me? A man went in for a physical checkup and the nurse asked him how much he weighed. He held in his stomach and he says, 160 pounds. She got him up on the scale, weighed him, and said, no, sir, your weight is 166. The nurse then asked him how tall he was. Standing as tall as he could and as straightforward as he could, he said, as upright, he said, I'm 5 foot 10 inches. She put him there under the measurement and said, nope, you're 5'9". Then the nurse said to him, do you have normal blood pressure? After looking at her a moment, he said, how can, I, how can you expect my blood pressure to be normal? I came in here a tall and slender man, and you have already made me short and fat. 
Sometimes we don't have a real good check on reality. Isn't that right? Sometimes we really don't see everything. Sometimes we're not able to see the people that we are neglecting. Sometimes we're not able to see the people that we're showing favoritism to because we have this image of ourselves that isn't in reality. Sometimes we don't hear the words that we use. We don't see how we are, our, our face sometimes looks. I, I look at some people and they'll be saying one thing, but their body language and their face will be saying something totally different. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well, I love you. Bible says I have to. Not really saying it, not really convinced, are you? But when we neglect no one, something happens on the inside of us. Something changes within us. Something begins to be, uh, be reproduced in other people as a result of that. So, uh, this is not turning. Here we go. Might have to help me. <laughs> there we go. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says, Love must be sincere. All right? Some of you ask, what version does he use? This is the NIV here, all right, and I'll try to point it out when it is. And someone said, I'm trying to follow you, Pastor, but, but you use all these different versions. I use these different versions because I think that they help to illustrate or make larger an understanding of the Word of God, all right? So I'll, I'll try to help you out with that. But love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Kind of put those different colors in there to kind of, a couple points to just stand out to you. Honor one another above yourselves. Okay, so some of you are not feeling so slender and so, so uh, thin anymore or so, so tall, right? You're like, what does that mean? What does it mean to honor someone above myself? Don't I have to watch out for myself? Isn't that the culture in which we live? Nobody's going to watch out for me. I mean, I have to watch out for my family. How many of you ever heard about trusting God? All right. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. This is a whole list of a people groups that you should not be neglecting. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of lowly position. Neglect no one. Do not be conceited. How many think that, that's, that those are some pretty good instructional uh, illustration points for us about how we should not neglect anyone? Remember that? All right. In Luke chapter 10, there's an occasion where Jesus is having a conversation with some people, and we're going to use this as a leaping pad to get us into the description of what no one really is. He uses the word neighbor. Jesus then, just then a, religious, a religion scholar, stood up with a question to test Jesus. He said, teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? How many think there are some people who have that question out there? All right. He's trying to trap him. He's not really wanting. He's just like, all right, so what in the world do I have to do? He answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? He said that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence. Now, this is from the message, all right? And that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. 
Once again, that theme that, that just came over from what we've seen in Romans, right? And he says this, good answer, Jesus said. How many of you like that when Jesus gives you an attaboy? All right? And he says, do it and you'll live. Looking for a loophole. Isn't that the world that we live in? Trying to find a, an end around. Trying to find another way in which we can do it. Where we can do what we want to do, but still receive what we want to receive. And it doesn't quite work that way. He asks, and just how would you define a neighbor? How would you define a neighbor? Possibly thinking, well, you know, it's the one who lives in your neighborhood. Well, he's probably not living around those whom are social outcasts. He's probably not living around those people who are less economically in a position to which he is in, right? Let me talk to you about who Jesus thinks is a neighbor. And Jesus answered by telling a story. He said there was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and on the way he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, they beat him up, and went off leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road. Certainly a priest who was going to be able to help this man who had just been beaten up. That's why it says there in the uh, message, luckily, all right, or in other words, it would make sense that the priest would help. But when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Done this little stutter step and got away from the man as far as he could. Now he could have come up with all kinds of reasons. To touch or to be part of that man may have made him ceremonial unclean. There was maybe other issues that was at hand. He was just too busy. He had a meeting. He had an appointment. How many of you found that sometimes God gives you these things, these assignments at the most inopportune times? <laughs> but I ain't got time for this right now, Lord. I don't have time to say I love you. I don't have time to, to give. I, I don't even have the resources. But I hear your spirit saying to me, pay for these groceries, buy this meal, do this for this person. You're just like, oh my goodness. And we start to look for the loopholes. Then a Levite, religious man, showed up. He also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan traveling the road came on him, and when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. And in the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him, and if it costs any more, put it on my bill. I will pay you on my way back. Well, I don't know. Some people, you know, wouldn't be responsible. What if this, this doctor starts to charge things up? What if he's, he starts to overcharge? I mean, I, I'm not controlled. He just gave him permission to write a check. Once again, the loopholes, the things that we try to, we, we try to get out from underneath, those, in, those awkward moments when the Holy Spirit is starting to speak to us and say, I can't go there. I can't make the commitment. The Lord puts upon your heart to pay for the groceries of someone who's in front of you or, or behind you. And you're like, well, I have no idea how much it's going to cost. And God says, I didn't tell you to do that. I didn't tell you to figure out how much it's going to cost. He said, I just told you to take care of it. He'll take care of you. That's right, Sandy. Amen. What do you think? I love Jesus' questions. Which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? And certainly, it was clear. The one who treated him kindly, the religion 
scholar responded. He goes on and he says here, he says, listen, Jesus said, go and do the same. You know what I hear in that statement? Go and be the living stone being built into a spiritual house. Go and implement this value. Go and be this neighbor. Go and neglect no one. Go and do something that other people aren't willing to do. Go and possibly be alone and grab somebody out of the ditch and pull them out regardless of their circumstances. That's what I hear. Go and do the same. Go and offer to somebody something and they can never repay you. Go and do something that will put you at risk of other people spreading or saying stories about you because you decided to cross over to the other side of the road. You decided to go down into the ditch. You decided to get yourself dirty. You decided to put yourself in economical harm possibly because guess what? It's going to cost you more. Do you hear what I hear? Jesus said, go and do the same. So the first thing I want you to understand that I get from this, I'm going to neglect no one, regardless of race. I'm going to neglect no one, regardless of their financial standing. I'm going to neglect no one, regardless of popularity, regardless of what the culture around me is saying. I'm not looking to get permission from what the rest of the church is saying I ought to do, amen? I'm not looking to get permission from other churches as far as what's acceptable or not. Listen, he said to reach out and to help those who are my neighbor. And he's clearly defined who it is, right? It's the unexpected. It's the ones who may be a little bit different than us. We may not have as many similarities, but guess what? He's called us to reach out and neglect no one. Throughout the course of the next few moments, we're going to take a look at some people in Scripture that Jesus himself demonstrated that he neglected them not. Hopefully this will motivate all of us. Luke chapter 19, there was another man that was spoke of. <laughs> How many of you have ever heard of this little man by the name of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was what? A wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Amen? You know the song, all right? For those of you who don't, you really missed out, all right? I'm not going to sing it for you. I just gave you the here, but, but Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He found out that Jesus was coming to town, and guess what? He decided, I want to see Jesus. So when Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus could look upon him, Zacchaeus had done something pretty remarkable. This tax collector, this very dignified guy, had decided to become like a child. He decided to do something pretty crazy. He decided that, guess what? I'm going to get a look at this man. I'm small in stature. I can't see over everybody else. But I'm not going to let that limit me. And Jesus, seeing the hunger and the desire within him, says this, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. To who? To a tax collector. To who? To a man in small stature. To whom? To, to someone who is probably an outcast and not liked by a ton of people in the town. And he looks at him and says, I see something in you. I'm going over to your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and look what the people did. Isn't it amazing? That the King of kings and the Lord of lords, isn't it amazing that the one that they said, I serve, I'm following you, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And what do they begin to do? They begin to mutter. 
he has gone to the guest of a sinner. It's almost like what's described of, of hell, that there was gnashing of teeth. There was, I, I can't get it right. I'm, I'm reading all the scripture. I'm doing all the prayers. I'm giving all that I can give. I'm doing everything that I can do. And rather than coming over to my house, he decides to go to the house of a sinner. He decides to go to the house of someone who's, who's looked down upon and isn't liked by any of us. That's muttering. <laughs> when Jesus did that, he showed that he was neglecting no one regardless of physical appearance. Now, I know that some of us here today have struggled with how God made you. Come on, be truthful. You looked in the mirror on many occasions and you haven't liked what you've seen. You've been tempted to say, well, God, you may have made a, did pretty good with this person, but with me, I'm not liking me. Some of the things you may have contributed to yourself, some of the things you just can't do a thing about. In society, the culture in which we live would say, well, because you don't look like this magazine cover, It's not easy, though. It's not easy to kind of throw that out, is it? Because in our schools right now, kids, when they don't look a certain way, when they're not a certain height, when they're 98 pounds as a sophomore in high school, as I was, I mean, I, I talk about wind blowing you over. One day, I, was, I, I played the tuba. I'm in high school. I play the tuba. The sousaphone in marching band, all right? We go down and we're at the Detroit Pistons game when they were at the Silverdome. This particular dome was held up through air pressure and they had to not go through the revolving doors because I wouldn't fit through it with my tube on my shoulder. I had a friend. I'm all of maybe five foot three at that time. I don't know what I was at that time. But, but he was over six foot tall. One of my best friends, his name is Sterling Knickerbocker. And uh, he's got his sousaphone on. I've got my sousaphone on. We're trying to get into this, this area. And, and uh, all of a sudden, I, 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 I put my, the bell of the thing down. I got it on my shoulder, and I open up the door, and the wind just starts hitting me, right? He had gone through a little bit ahead of me, all right? And the wind from that pressure of that door began to catch on the bell of that sousaphone, all right? And began to lift my feet up in the air. And he grabbed me, amen, and held on. By the bell of the sousaphone. Like, real story. I'm still here, that's right. Oh, boy, was that a laughing moment for people. Oh. I had to take five encyclopedias to solo ensemble when I played the real tuba to be able to reach the mouthpiece. Why? So I could sit on them. I just sit on books in order to reach the mouthpiece for the sousaphone. I mean, for the, for the tuba. Pastor, did you get over those issues? <laughs> Sounds like you still struggle with them. No, I'm telling you what. 
I am convinced that no matter what size God ever made me, that He did not neglect me regardless of my physical appearance. He didn't neglect me because I was red hair and I have freckles, amen? He didn't neglect you because you've got different deformities in, in your body or on your face or anything about you. God has looked upon you and He's determined, I will not neglect you for anything. I made you, I created you, and you are special to me, amen? I will not neglect you because of your job, because you're a tax collector, because you're doing something that not everybody wants to do. Some people don't like the IRS workers. <laughs> Listen, it's not their fault. It's just a job. Who have you looked at? That police officer when he pulls you over? Hello? And you've neglected them because guess what? You just, you wanted to do that muttering thing all over again, are you not? I mean, come on, what does speeding do? Go get some real criminals. All right, quit poking each other. Neglecting no one because of their job. No, neglecting no one regardless of their spiritual standing. Amen? We've got to move on. John four seventeen. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. What am I talking about here? Come on, help summarize it with me. The lady with the, at, the, at the well, amen? Jesus went and he's out and he's with his disciples and he comes upon this well. He decides to go through Samaria, right? And there in this particular well, it, 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 and he's, he gets along with this woman, not, not, not by any purpose of his, but, but it, just, it just so happened as it happens with sometimes. He says, the fact is, he has this conversation and she's telling him a little bit about her life. And he sa she says, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have five, had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. And what you have said is quite true. Now certainly, Jesus being holy, you would think he want nothing to do with someone who's been married five times. Not going to ask for volunteers here. <laughs> We're not here to air our dirty laundry. We're not here. I'm here to put hope in you today. I'm here to let you know that regardless of what you've done, as long as you will appeal and you will say, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, that something begins to take place and will change you from the inside out. Oh, you may not be the best example of everything to do right all the days of your life, but once you start doing them right, you can look and say, this is what God will do because He neglects no one regardless of race. He neglects no one regardless of their marital situation. Nobody should feel like an outcast because of failures, especially in this area. Oh, and by the way, though, the man you're living with now, he's not your husband as well. Jesus shouldn't even be talking to her according to the culture. But what is going to be the culture of central? What's going to be the building blocks? What's going to be the spiritual, the living stones that we're being built up into? When people come to us and they come to these doors and they start to have conversations with you, are you? Are you going to want to know all these details before you start to treat them right? Or will we be a people who reaches out and neglects no one in spite of these things? Amen? Another occasion, Mark chapter 5, verse 25, a woman was there who had been subject to what? 
bleeding for 12 years. We know this is the woman with the issue of blood. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Don't you know that some well-meaning disciple who was being ignorant in the moment probably tried to do whatever they could to slap her away, to stop her from doing that. The Scriptures, if you look into it, says that they pushed through the crowd. She pushed through the crowd. She got past all those people who tried to stop her from getting into the close proximity. Why? Because Jesus does not neglect anybody. She knew that if she could get to that point, regardless of how many years that she's been sick, it doesn't matter if I can just touch the hem of His garment. Listen, I'm telling you, some of us have grown weary of hearing the stories of some people who have been sick week after week and month after month. We've grown insensitive to it. Amen? We haven't walked their path. We haven't walked their walk. And we're just like, come on, get over it already. It's tough, isn't it? It's tough to be sympathetic to somebody when you're not going what they're going through. We've got diseases and conditions out there that, they, that doctors have put common name tags on just because it falls into a category of, of a number of different things. Fibromyalgia, very hard to diagnose. Just feel bad all over it. Feel good certain times and other times I don't feel good. I mean, I don't know why. And someone looks at you and says, come on, you're really sick again? My wife has struggled with headaches for a number of years, a number of things, and and I'll tell you what, she's one of the most vivacious, energetic, loving, selfless people that I know. And the enemy has come hard against her. And this husband has not passed the test of the truest levels of love on every occasion. Is it all right for me to admit that to you? Is it okay for you to let you know that my flesh has grown weary and hearing again about how she's not feeling well in this particular moment and how do i relate how do i help what can i do i know what i can't do i can't neglect i can't look at that person and say guess what this is just too many times this is too many times you're dealing with this headache. This is too many times you're dealing with this issue. You know, some people going through depression and discouragement and such. We want to go ahead and close them out and say, if you would just do this, if you just start to think this way, if you read this scripture, if you come to this prayer meeting, if you do this, if you do that, and all of a sudden we think, guess what? It all, all ought to be able to go away. The thing is, when he saw Jesus from a distance, oh, I'm sorry, wrong one there. When he, he, he found himself turning around and saying, who touched me? He stopped it in his business as far as where he was going. And it wasn't because he now had used up a resource that wasn't going to be available for someone else. It was, who is it here today? who will really believe that I am of this character, that I am of this personality, that I won't look down upon somebody who, who is struggling with these issues and, I, and would dare to believe that they could just touch me. Not even have my attention. Are you getting it? We shouldn't be neglecting anyone. No one who has a physical impairment. No one who's dealing with these issues. This next one is this. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, 
he ran out and fell on his knees in front of him, and he shouted at the top of his voice. What's he say here? What do you want with me, Jesus, son of David? Now, what is this situation? Who, who knows of this one? The healing of the, de- the healing of the demon man, the demoniac and the Gadarenes. Jesus got off of a boat, came up to this particular area, and this man comes out. He comes out. He says, what business do you have with me here today? And Jesus, because he neglects no, no one, is not afraid of a spiritual condition, is not afraid of a possession that takes place, is able to perceive and look through that situation and say, I've got good news for you today. You're going to be cast out. You're going to be set free. You're going to be able to function in in a whole new way. And wouldn't you know, the culture of that time got all concerned because they're pigs that cast those demons into went on off the cliff And so much so, they were so irritated, they came after Jesus. Listen, that's the world in which we live. But it didn't stop Jesus. Was he going to be surprised by what was going to take place, the response of those people? Absolutely not. But he still knew he was going to set those people free. Listen, there are some things that's going to happen in your realm when you start to get spiritually discerning of what's going on. When you start to be eternally minded, you will not worry about what the world is trying to say. You will worry about what Jesus thinks of your performance. What Jesus thinks about your dedication and you will neglect no one regardless of their health regardless of the other things that's going on in their life regardless of demon possession even last thing is this we'll go ahead i'm gonna skip ahead here luke 23 one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him what is this occasion Today's Palm Sunday. Today's the day in which we recognize that they threw this huge old celebration when Jesus was coming into town. Didn't expect for the events to begin to turn as they are going to, as we're going to recognize on Good Friday. By the way, don't forget the service. Good Friday service coming up here, and it's in the bulletin as far as where you can go. And it's going to be a great time, 5 o'clock dinner. It'd be so great for you to come on out to the New Hope Baptist Church. Join us there and come to that service at 6.30. It's going to be a fantastic gathering. But here's the occasion when they were there, the criminals who were being hung on the cross there next to Jesus, one on the right and one on the left. And the scripture says this. Praise team, go ahead and come if you would, please. One of the criminals says, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him and said, don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Look what Jesus says. Look what he says to him. Get it to turn here. (laughs) Help me out, please. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. There are some people that are in common ground, just like us, who do not deserve eternal life. But it doesn't stop Jesus. You see, he won't neglect the one who deserves it. Because we all deserve it. 
We all deserve death. But he said, I want you to understand something. I'm not going to neglect you because you deserve it. Instead, I'm going to make a way by which you can be saved. In which you can be rescued. In which you can be restored. And I'm going to take, and I'm going to put you in a place. A place of high esteem. I'm going to take and put you in a place that, that, that you didn't deserve. Nobody else thinks that you should be able to go. But guess what? Because you recognize who I am. I'm not neglecting anybody. I'm not neglecting anybody, regardless of guilt. Is there anybody here today who is not guilty? Is sin so common among us all that we all would have to raise our hands and say, wow, the very character of Christ that you're asking for us to implement within our lives is the very thing that I was in need of. It's the very thing that, that unless it, it, it changes in me, then I would be of no use. I'd be of no good. But today, you could say I identify with you, Pastor. I, defi- I identify with the people who are sitting on my left and on my right. And I want to be like Christ and neglect no one. Do you see why I'm saying That you might have to look in the mirror a little bit different. You might have to really be a truth teller to yourself because you think that you speak one way. But in reality, sometimes we don't. We think that we'll go that extra mile, but sometimes in reality, we won't. We've got conditions. We've got these ideas in place that we go ahead and say, well, I'll go this far, but I won't go that far. And he says, if you want to be my disciple... If you want to be like me, a living stone being built into a spiritual house, then get ready to be changed. Get ready to have some awkward, challenging, risk-taking moments. This isn't a message just for somebody else, someplace else. This is a message for us here at Central. If you're a guest here today, What we're talking about is instilling values that will help to identify us so that we can be a real people, making a real difference. Amen? Serving a real God, making a real difference. That's what we want. Real people, real God, real difference. Bow your heads with me. Lord, here we come on this great big adventure. Here we come, Lord, after you, desiring that you would move in our lives desiring that you would use us in ways that we never thought we could be used. For we were one of those candidates. We were the one of the ones who, who felt like we would be neglected. But you and all of your love, while we were still yet sinners, reached down and you pulled us up out of that miry clay and you put our feet on a firm foundation. And I thank you for that. There may be some individuals here today who are not convinced yet. They're not convinced yet that he really receives you just as you are. I pray the Holy Spirit is already working overtime in you. He's already assuring you, you cannot be perfect. But guess what? You will not be neglected. 
You're here today. You need to get right with Jesus. I don't care if it's your fifth commitment. I don't care if you've done it a hundred times or if it's your very first time. You know right now, if you were to die and you were to stand before your Savior and he was to say to you, you know what, why should I let you into heaven? You wouldn't have the answers. But you want Jesus. You want Jesus more than anything else. You want him to come in and rearrange some things for you. Come on, you want to you make a fresh commitment to him today. Raise your hand right now in this place, all across this auditorium right now. Right now, you're in this place, all across this auditorium right now in Jesus' name. I see those hands. I see about four, five, six hands over here. Amen. Yes, yes. Yes, I see that. Yes, that young hand in the back. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Here's the second question I have for this congregation today. How many of you would say, and I know that what you're speaking today, Pastor, the Holy Spirit is working on me. And I, not because I've been intentional about it, about doing harm or, or doing a neglect to somebody else, but because I haven't been intentional about not doing it. And I need, I need the Holy Spirit to change me. I need to see things that i never seen before. I need to reach people whom I never thought that I could reach before. And I want the Holy Spirit to come in and change me. Will you lift up your hand in this place today? If that's you, say, I want to see things differently all across this place. Stand to your feet if you would, please. Heavenly Father, we come here in this moment and we seek you, the one who has gone before us, and we ask you, Lord, to do something in us that will be life-changing. There's individuals, Lord, who raised their hand and said, I want to renew my commitment to you, Lord. I want to start a relationship with you. You see them and you know right where they're at. I'd like for everybody in this house to pray this prayer. It's a prayer that every single one of us would have to pray at some point or another and say this with me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for taking away my sins. I believe that you're the Son of God. And you have paid my price. I am guilty, but you have declared me free. You have paid the ransom, and I received life eternal because of it. In Jesus' name. For those of you who are making a recommitment, those of you making a first time commitment, that's the starting point. I want you to take that connection card that's on your bulletin, I want you to fill it out. I want you to text us in one way or another there on our, under my church center app. I want to pray for you. I want to, we'll be up here. There's all kinds of ways in which we can make contact with you to help you to grow in your faith. For everybody else who says, Pastor, I want to see things the way that he's seen them. I want to not neglect anybody. I want to go after those who are down and out. Those who have physical limitations, those who have uh, spiritual limitations, those who've got so much excess baggage, they, they didn't feel like God sees them. Guess what? He does. Can we pray this prayer together? Just, just listen. This is what's up on my heart. And, and you could say yes and amen if you agree with it. Lord, we have come so far. But God, we are still in need of you to change us. We invite the Holy Spirit right now to come and to, 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 to do a work on us. To remind us as we're going through life and we're doing the daily affairs that, that we are on assignments. That we are on mission. And you'd help us to reach.
Help us to reach those whom at different times have felt themselves they're unreachable. Thank you, Lord, for changing my eyes, changing the way I think, changing my heart. Thank you, Lord, for working in me that I can take on your personality, your DNA, and neglect no one. Jesus.